welcome to the Farming on Purpose podcast. Today's challenges in agriculture are new, but the grit and determination required to be successful have been handed down for generations. On the Farming on Purpose podcast, we preserve the ag heritage and traditions we built our identity on while pursuing the American dream of multi-generation farms that innovate for the future. Listen along as we share stories of how farmers and ranchers are building legacies, both in their business and their character, for the sake of those they'll pass the reins to. I'm your host, Lexi Wright, and I'm excited to talk with you about the financial, generational, and production challenges facing producers in the ag industry today. podcast is brought to you by Back Pocket Social Marketing. And yes, this is Lexi here. This podcast has been a real passion project for me. All the time that goes into interviewing guests, editing, and producing the show is sponsored by my freelance marketing agency. We specialize in website design, social media advertising, content creation and management, and email marketing. If you like to take a foundational approach to your marketing and figure out exactly what's working for you and what's not, and really focus on efficiency, then you would be a great candidate to work with us. You can reach out and talk with us more at Lexi at BackPocketSocial.com. We would love to help you solve your marketing challenges. Welcome back to Farming on Purpose. I am so excited here today to have Todd Bunting, General Bunting, um, on the podcast. And Todd is going to talk with us a little bit about what his experience has been in working with veterans and military in getting them back to farming. And he does this through a program called the Save Farm. So Todd, I'll let you introduce yourself. Tell us a little bit about you and your involvement with ag, your journey through the military and what brought you to the Save Farm. Okay, yeah, I'm a 32 year Air Force and National Guard veteran and I retired out of the state of Kansas had assignments all over the country and all over the world. Uh, my dad was a cotton farmer in the boot hill of Missouri, and uh, but joined the army. And my mother was uh, here in Manhattan, Kansas, and they met and uh, went back to farming cotton. And then ultimately, my dad returned to military service. Uh, but my entire family, uh, my mother's side of the family are farmers around Alta Vista. My dad's, all of his brothers and sisters, uh, we're, are still to this day cotton and row crop farmers in the Boot Hill, Missouri. Uh, so the Safe Farm, I've been a founding member for the since it was formed in 2016. Uh, an idea come up with from a fellow veteran and his daughter, who's an expert in mental health, that uh, the uh, the value of farming for therapy. Uh, we started off with beekeeping, but we have just found, and I have found in my life that uh, going outside and is therapeutic and farming itself in any form or another that you're outside around animals or putting your hands in the dirt is just a way to really relieve stress. And I've seen it and I've been with the group for six years and uh, we're soon to be a school that can use the veterans can come and their spouses and take the, use their GI Bill. And in five months we can, we can teach them enough about farming for them to start on their own or go to work for someone. So we're excited about our program and all of the partners that we've had around the state and uh, we believe that it's a, a real solution for this future of farming to grow more farmers and also for veterans to really have a rewarding and meaningful uh, second career uh, once they retire from 
service. Very informative. Um, thank you for that background on the Save Farm. I think that helps us know a little bit more about, for our listeners, the way that you approach farming and the, the work because a lot of times on this podcast and when we talk about agriculture, there's like two pieces of it, I feel like. There's the business side, the economics, the make sure it's financially stable and you can produce an income and be profitable. And there's then there's the other side and that's more like the lifestyle of it. That's, this is what I do because this is my heritage. This is what I do because my family loves it and we have these values. And I, what I love about the Safe Farm is, to me, it brings both of those together in a really great way. It does. Uh, as, as you mentioned, the two elements. I always tell everybody, I, this is something stolen from a friend of mine who's a blackberry farmer, but he grew up on a dairy farm. And that farming is a great way of life, but a hard way to make a living. And the economic part of it is what I think all of us know is the, cha- is the biggest challenge. I mean, the hard work is undeniable, the long hours, whatever else. But I think farmers, in the, uh, as a rule, they know that and they, they, they handle that. Veterans are used to long hours and cold and hot conditions. They handle that. The challenge in farming these days is just the margins are, are difficult and there's a lot of parts of farming that are beyond your control. Mm-hmm. But you, you, you do all of that part and it, the better you get at it, the more profitable it is. But I, th- I think all of us would agree the actual work part is so rewarding. Mm-hmm. It's so honest. It is. I, I spent a lot of years in the service and I've probably a lot of people in business. Sometimes that gets kind of gray. It's kind of hard to tell what you did that day. Mm-hmm. There is never a doubt in your mind on the farm or the ranch what you did. I mean, it's always pure and right there. Yeah. Good very or tangible. Bad, right, very tangible. And I think there's that's the power of it. And the other part of farming that we do teach, and it's the very first thing we teach, even though most of our veterans just can get their hands on something right away, is we teach the economic part of it and the business planning and the fact that you have to you have to really have a good plan and be adaptable because uh, uh, mother nature is she's wonderful and she's also not mm-hmm. and uh, in farming you have to have a high tolerance for you've entered into a career field a, a, a calling for many of us that the one of the single biggest factors is 100 percent out of your control mm-hmm. so you know, you have to plan for that. And again, I think that's why for veterans it works because we oftentimes have been, veterans have been put in a tough position and some of the things are beyond their control. The weather is a major factor in the military as well. So you, you train for that and then you do your best with that, but don't obsess over it because there's nothing you can do about it. So duly noted, adapt and, and get out there and, and uh, farm. And that's in our farm, we, we love to see veterans go onto their own farm, uh, or be part of farm succession, but we have found mostly in the last few years, our most of our veterans are going to be small-scale farmers, and so the Save Farm uh, is an entrepreneurial center, and we allow people to come out and as an incubator. But we we are very strong advocates of small farms, and that's why we're affiliated with the Shop Kansas Farms and others, so that the, the small farmers and the ranchers can be profitable uh, by working together and finding customers close by so that uh, they don't spend a, a, any more ne- money than necessary in marketing and shipping their product, which can maybe be the difference between profitability or not. It definitely can. <laughs> yeah, we know that too well. Um, so you've talked about it a little bit already about the benefits of people who have been involved in the military and how that benefits them later in farming. 
What do you think it is about farming that draws military and veterans back to that way of life? Because I feel like it's a, a pretty common trend. It is. Well, I think everybody, uh, no one is, there's no one answer, but the military as a general rule, you're, you're going to have had hardships. You're going to have had long hours. You're going to get up when it's dark. You're going to go to bed when it's dark. You're going to be asked to do a lot of things that are physically strenuous. Uh, well, that's what farming is. Uh, and then veterans like to, to do things uh, tangible. And farming, more than other things, and we need everything, but is that, tangi- that tangible part of it is very appealing, which is I got up today, I mowed that field. I got up today, I plowed that field. I, I took these cattle from this pasture to that pasture. That's, is, that's closer to what many people in the military have done. I got up today and I launched a jet and it flew at sortie and it came back home. I got up today and I drove my tank. I, I sailed this ship, we went here or there. I, I, I cooked this meal. The fact that each day has something that has to be done mm-hmm. and that you have, to, you have to physically be a part of that and that you're not just ordering it done, you're actually doing it. Mm-hmm. That, that is where the connection comes from. And veterans, as a general rule, and I, I, I thought about this when I recently was on the road, veterans are the kind of people that decided that there are things more important to them, to them than themselves. Mm-hmm. So they're more than willing to sacrifice to provide uh, for the security of their fellow citizens. And I got thinking, well, you know, farmers do that too. Farmers and ranchers, you, you make sacrifices and you do all everything you do to grow a product, which you do sell at a profit, but you do all that so that people don't go hungry or have something to wear. And so I think that has a match too, which is each of them are very small groups. Less than 1% of people serve. Uh, I've heard no higher than 3% of people now are involved in farming. Mm-hmm. And I'm gonna guess that probably 1% are the actual farmers and ranchers. So veterans are by their nature comfortable around people like themselves that do what they do with very little fanfare and at which very few people understand what they do and they're not bothered by that because mm-hmm. they believe more in what they do than whether or not they get parades or people coming up and thanking for that. They, they want to be part of something meaningful and farming is meaningful and serving is meaningful. It's very true. It's a very direct way of putting it that the, the search for that meaning and the dedication to doing spending their time in that way I don't know that um, you know maybe I see this more than the average person since I work in marketing but I see a lot of folks that do very intangible things and the goal is always you know how can I make more money working only two hours a day and that's not the case in farming the the work is a pleasure you better see it that way. Yeah, because <laughs> <laughs> uh, it does. It did. It doesn't lend itself to that. Um, and I'm sure, though, there's plenty of farmers that have those other jobs that do pay better money, so they can afford to do that. And but uh, yeah, it just struck me like it's very common nowadays, and I'm always appreciative. People come up and say thank you for your service. And what I usually will do is I will usually make an assessment of that person uh, and say, "Well, you're welcome." and thank you for being someone worth serving. Mm -hmm. And so my observation in the last six years with a pretty deep immersion in farming and ranching is more people need to have an understanding of what sacrifices those farmers and ranchers make, that they're not all making millions of dollars, working two hours a day, and that it wouldn't hurt you every once in a while to be more more aware or just to thank a farmer and rancher for what they do do so that you go to that store and pick up a packet and, and take it home. So they're not exactly the same, but they are both groups of people 
that are very willing to make great sacrifices and work their tail off, and the great majority of people will never really appreciate what they do, and don't wait any time for that to change. But uh, it, it wouldn't hurt for more people to understand that uh, you know, a lot of work goes into a product that uh, you can go and get in just a few seconds from the shelves. Mm -hmm. The backstory in farming, uh, I'd, li I'd like to be a part of more people understanding that. Yeah, yeah. I hope that that interest can grow in a way that is helpful to the industry. I think a lot of the ways it's grown to this point have not been helpful. <laughs> um, right. Well, it's all about the marketing terms of how it how it's raised that or how it's labeled with some trendy thing that it's like that's not really the point of right. it. I think it'll be hard, but you know, like out at the out at the Save Farm, we will adapt what animals we have and what we grow to our students. Mm -hmm. uh, but we have. We train a safe apprentice, so you get animal in, in uh, plant science. But any one time we jokingly say, Earl McDonald had a farm. Because uh, there's not many of those farms left. Mm -hmm. Most farms specialize for a variety of reasons because of the shortage of labor or whatever else. But we ultimately would like to be where we're one of those farms on the agritourism that people come with their young family and spend enough time to go. I had no idea what it went what goes into me to just have a dozen eggs. Mm -hmm. And you, know, you may not want to know everything that goes into you having that uh, pork chop, but you could have an appreciation, which is, okay, that comes from raising hogs and all the way through that and the feed and the care and everything else. And then uh, the processing is probably the part nobody really mm -hmm. likes to think about. But the more people could, could get back onto the farm and see it, I think would be therapeutic for them as, as well. When, when we have a lot of people ask all the time how many of our veterans came from the farm probably about a 25 percent mm -hmm. now they all used to be an outside but the, the, the people coming to our program are, aren't all farm kids but they all have an interest but uh, so we talk about nowadays uh, all my generation you know uh, from the, the baby boomer generation probably the great majority of them were not very far removed from an immediate family member that was on the farm now that's two or three times removed yeah. it's actually uh, harder to think about which is you, you probably don't have an aunt or an uncle or a grandma and grandpa on the farm mm -hmm. now saying that's right or wrong just real so the actual number of people who've ever actually had a real life muddy boots stepping in fertilizer experience is few yeah. and we, we have so many visitors at the farm and almost without exception, when they get out there and we walk them around the pastures and everything else, they go, this is this is very relaxing. I can see there's a lot of work here, but just being outdoors, this is this is not downtown with car horns blaring and mm -hmm. people running the lights. And, it's, and we're not criticizing that, but this is, it's almost like you're, you go, I think I'm supposed to be here. I think this is actually something about this is, I'm, I'm liking this. Mm -hmm. and. So we, when we have people come to the farm, we don't we don't talk to them inside. So if you come out and see us, we're going to put you in a John Deere Gator, or we're going to go out amongst the cattle, or we're going to go up on a hill, and and we're going to talk. We we can we don't do that. We do very little indoors. Mm -hmm. We we're, we're uh, our our secondary motto should be go outside, yeah. uh, or go come play in the dirt. And I just we remind ourselves periodically that there's there's we're probably in our second generation 
of young people who haven't been afforded that opportunity. And that's not a criticism, it's just a fact. And so if we can be a part of just that, I think I'd like to take my kids out to the country. That that's gets, in some places that's hard to do. We wanna be a part of that. No, it isn't. Mm -hmm. Go out there and see it. Yeah. See if it, it suits you. You might, you, you might take to it more than you think. Yeah, that opportunity for the real life experience. And it's different on your, on the same farm than it is at like a, a pumpkin patch, That's you know, true. where it's more agritourism, it's designed for that. The mm -hmm. Save Farm is a functioning farm where people that come there get to really experience what it's like. Well, and you have, I know you have a, a, a diverse farm. I, <laughs> I, I love having people out there and have them get used to being interrupted by land. Yeah. Who has no social skills whatsoever. <laughs> so when you have lambs out there, you just, you're just you going to have to pause every once in a while because somebody's not happy and, and you got every kind of other animal. That That's some joyful noise to us, but it's it's totally shocking to some people. Really? Right. And Yeah. And it's like, yeah, well, they have not. And they, they all take to it. I mean, it, it hasn't been anybody go, oh, this place is noisy. <laughs> sometimes, yes. And it's, it has a lot of things that are not like what you're used to. Uh, for the most part, you get around and you go, I kind of like this. It's like, yeah, it's, it's different. Mm -hmm. And we think it's therapeutic. We think walking yeah. through a pasture uh, out, out in, the, in the wild is, is can, you can't do it virtually. Yeah. Uh, we're, we understand virtual learning, and uh, that's changed the world. And, you know, as a veteran myself, I know how many people I served with that got their degrees and advanced degrees by the technology that let them study on the ship. So I'm, I'm all for that. But for farming and ranching, we still believe that a whole lot of that has to be done in the, in person, in the flesh, with, with all of the senses highlighted. Yeah. Uh, that's, others don't, but you know, for us, we're all outside, high touch, high sense. Yeah. So tell us a little bit more about the students that have been at the Save Farm or are currently at the Save Farm um, what do they benefit most? What did their path look like? How has that gone for you guys? Well, it's gone real well. Well, COVID has been a challenge. Mm -hmm. The number one thing I would say that's, that uh, you know we will have to, over the years, do the, the true research, which takes a long time. But all of our students that have come through over the years, uh, many of them who have had sort of some of the challenges of service, they leave way more relaxed and much more at peace with themselves. So we say we're a, a transition and healing farm. We believe that agrotherapy comes from just being on a farm almost every day for five months uh, with plenty of structured time but plenty of unstructured time to just walk away and get to, and be around the animals and others by yourself has a real power. Mm. And again, because farming and animals are, are so real, there's, there's no hidden agenda with that lamb right. I was talking about or cattle or whatever else, even though there are some cattle do have a hidden agenda of getting out <laughs> at the absolute wrong time but so we found that we are as far as students again some farming some not in recent years we've had uh, people come through as a couple and that has turned proven to be one of the best things we've ever done and that that's a major focus for us in the future and that we have it set up now where a veteran can come to the program and bring their spouse with them mm -hmm. and and of course farming is best done by a team yeah it's hard for one person to farm and uh, and if you are a couple and only one of you likes farming, that's going to be a challenge. So everybody has to kind of be pulling in the same direction here. We've had a lot. Of, we've had veterans, for example, come out that uh, thought they wanted to be cattle, cattlemen or women, 
and ended up going with a smaller rumen. Mm-hmm. We got some out now with sheep, some with goats. And they didn't hardly know how to spell sheep or goat. Anymore. <laughs> uh, others come out and love the animals, but uh, they want to specialize. They want to do mushrooms or blackberries. Uh, they, you know, maybe just a, a market type of a garden. Mm-hmm. But they learned they learned it all, and uh, I think a lot of it, though, also right now is the challenge in many parts of the country is the price of land. Yeah, and so. We try to be very realistic with them and say, if you don't already own the land and you aspire to have 200 head of cattle, that's a big hill you're going to try to climb from scratch. Right. Uh, it can be done, but uh, depending on how quickly you want to be fully immersed, the, you know, that we all know that's one of the challenges in farming right now is, and the closer you are to a city where there's development going on, then the land goes at a development price and the best farmer in the world can't pencil that out. Yeah. So we have switched our emphasis to make sure that we, we have our own high tunnel. We teach them how you can be involved in farming and do something meaningful on a very small acreage. Mm-hmm. And, and that's probably where in the last few years we've seen the biggest change. We still have farmers, veterans that have come through our program that are our big farmers now or working on a big farm and growing their own farm. And we st- still very much welcome there. We have three farms in Kansas right now waiting for our next group to graduate because they got they want to hire somebody Mm -hmm. and do in a good job of housing and everything else and we have we're working with the transition people for some of the families that don't have a successor that that might ultimately place a veteran but if you were to say what the bulk of our veterans do is they come through and then they specialize Mm -hmm. and recently it's been small scale but the, you know, most people start small scale. And you can stop there and be happy because you have meaning and purpose. Or you can say, okay, I started with 10 sheep and I'm building, I'm getting bigger and bigger and bigger all the time. And, and you can have a bigger operation. Right. And that's, I mean, you have to start somewhere. You, you have do. to, if you, you want to do it. Right. You, um, don't, you can't, you don't have to start big. You can start small and be happy small or be happy growing to big. Yes. Yeah, the barrier to entry there of having to have so many assets, land being a huge one of those, is just so big for beginning farmers. And there's just not really a good way to do it. But if they can start small, like a lot of the folks that go through the Save Farm are doing, and then grow that over time and do try to be profitable along the way instead of you know going into hundreds of thousands of dollars of debt the first day they open their business. Exactly. Well, and, and um, one of the things we teach, again, we're not, I always keep repeating, we're not miracle workers, but we spend a fair amount of time teaching them about how they're probably going to start with smaller and older equipment. Mm-hmm. And so we teach farm maintenance. We have an old Ford tractor out there. One, it was donated. It's a dandy little tractor. But we always tell them, this is probably going to be your first tractor. Mm-hmm. Now, we have great support from John Deere, and we have a great big 120-horsepower John Deere tractor with every bell and whistle. It's got their buddy seat on it so we can train, train people out there. But they're probably not going to start with that $85,000 tractor. Mm-hmm. Uh, they might go to work for somebody that has that tractor, but they're probably not going to they're not going to write the first check for that. They're going to write the first check for that $3,000 Ford tractor. And we teach you how to work on it. Because mm-hmm. we also tell them if you're going to start small, you also need to be working on the skills to be as self-sufficient as possible. You need to fix your own fence. And within reason, you need to fix your tractor when it breaks and your truck when Mm-hmm. and things of that nature because if you have to go buy all that especially retail 
that that input cost is going to be you know, a challenge. Yeah. Um, and and those skills pay off as you acquire them. They do well, and of course, as a kind of a gearhead myself, and for many veterans too, they like that kind of work. Yeah. And again, that's tangible. Mm-hmm. That's tangible. And then, of course, we're here in Kansas right now. And it's about twenty-five degrees outside. I'm working on a tractor today is not as fun as <laughs> yeah, February day when we get it in the shop and it's heat. You got the heater going, not so bad, right? Right. But yeah, I, I don't want anybody listening that would sit there and think, oh, it's uh, it's always wonderful to be working on a tractor. No, it's not. <laughs> but that's also with the with the challenges of today, getting it in to get it worked on can be a a long delay. So if you need if you need that tractor breaks chances are the only way it's going to get back in service quickly enough is for you to fix it right right and you said a lot of folks that maybe come in think that they are going to be starting in cattle and then they choose to maybe go to a different route of livestock do you think that they still find what they were looking for even though their plans have changed they do uh one of our graduates uh said that he, he was leaning towards cattle because that's what he knew mm-hmm. and then he got around goats and it just became this you know like I think some of them also go with the smaller animals because of the of the viability and also because they they're a little easier to handle mm-hmm. and so uh, I think that becomes a factor I, I think we have a lot of folks that come out that have never really been around sheep and goats or even poultry for that matter but they may have been around more cattle or at least know more about them for, for whatever reason but I think the scalability of being able to have an animal and be responsible for raising it and and having babies and little, little critters of whatever type I think the smaller animals are gaining an, uh, an interest level because you, again you don't need as much land mm-hmm. and you don't need as big of equipment I mean I, I've been around cattle a long time and I like them all but there's no doubt your footprint for sheep or goats would be smaller than a, than a cattle. cattle right. uh, and in the gardening, you know, st- there's so many things now with the improvements and it, you can you can do really well with a, with a decent sized garden if you can save up your money and, and put in a high tunnel and get a start on the, you get a start on the season and you get an extended season. And that's, that's why we, we train that as well. It's, say like you don't have to have 20 acres of, of produce you can if you manage it correctly uh, or, or grow certain things that you can turn over more quickly the head start that you get from a high tunnel is is practical in in my lifetime you know there weren't high tunnels 20 or 30 years ago mm-hmm. now they're they're more commonplace and there's mm-hmm. places you can go where you can basically build your own uh, kind of like chicken tractors I never even knew what a chicken tractor was until <laughs> six years ago and now there's all kinds of places where you can go, and that's, they're not unaffordable, but they can be the they can be the difference in your and your raising poultry. Yeah. Uh, with that doesn't require a big uh, expenditure other than your own labor to, to build it, but it, it can completely change the dynamic of the viability of that because you can move your chickens around and not you know relatively safely because you yeah. lock them up at night. I, our veterans were shocked by that. I would have never thought about that. I thought I had to have a giant yard and I had to have fence and I had to have guard dogs running around and everything else. Well, that's all part of it and that's all good, but you don't have to mm-hmm. as long as you have the means to protect them at night and whatever else. So 
that's that's down in the weeds but for some of our veterans that being at that level is where they get their healing and where they now have something meaningful to do yeah because they're whether they're growing a thousand chickens or 40 chickens they're feeding somebody and they got reason to get up every day mm-hmm. and I think a lot of that the folks who enter the industry at that smaller scale level and are open to trying different ideas like that like the chicken tractor or whatever it is that's where the innovation in the industry happens absolutely because everybody else that's big they're going to do it the way that it's always been done well and i think again in the as a, as a mechanic uh not for a living but i'm i guess a little bit nostalgic in that back many years ago there was no youtube mm-hmm. there was no TikTok, and now if if you if you can you can go online right now and there's somebody who's made a video that's fixing the same thing you're fixing <laughs> and and it's a tremendous resource i mean mm-hmm. i've seen the videos you do and others do on tiktok which is hey i i, I think about building a chicken tractor well you've got a dozen at least a dozen different ways to do it with different materials and what works and then the innovation comes from well you know i started with lexi's but i had thought about something and i made this mod and that and then you'll watch that same video and go, I'm going to steal that idea, <laughs> yeah. right? And yeah, innovation comes from a lot of people, not necessarily from the industry, that say, I need to make something practical, affordable, and portable. And most industry is not in any of those. Mm-hmm. And, and good for them. But the farmers are handy as a general rule, farmers and ranchers. And them, them uh, sharing those ideas with each other is, is fun, it's rewarding, and it also can help make that profitability better. Yeah. Like we have, we, we, we go to all the farm stores and we, we support them and they've been very good to veterans. Tractor Supply has a very good veteran program, John Deere, Kubota. But we also tell our veterans, that can be your dream. You're, you're gonna have to start with something, dream to someday have some of that. So good for them for what they make chances are you're going to start and have to repair something that that was made in many cases before before you were born yeah and that's okay yeah it really is but it you're is. going to have to be handy to do it or you're going to have to have have be thankful for those people that say here's how to fix this right and just keep hit pause watch <laughs> the video i mean that that's that's literally like having an instructor mm-hmm. right there where your grandparents and parents could sit there and say, 30 years ago, you had to have the field manual, black and white, and and good for that. But YouTube now is is just an incredible resource that we never had before. Yeah, the knowledge sharing there is knowledge amazing. Knowledge sharing, right. It's amazing. Well, um, you and I have talked about this quite a bit, but the role of the business and economics side of the operation. We've mostly talked about the lifestyle and you know it gives you a sense of purpose side of things, but what role does the business and the economics play for your students as they get going and get started and how do they kind of approach that mindset? Well, we uh, that's the very first two weeks of our program are talking about the, the realities of the farm economics and our graduating exercise after five months is they have to have a business plan now they're not on their own for that business plan they have five months with a bunch of instructors uh, that can help them both people that we have we have a relationship with frontier farm credit or farm bureau uh, you know 
USDA has some programs. So we mostly just tell them, so, okay, I know you really want to go out there and work on that tractor. You want to go out there and ban some cattle or whatever else. We're going to do that. But this is a career field. It's a business. And you need to understand that aspect of it. And it's not overpowering, but it's like many things in life. You have to have a plan. You have to be stick to it pretty much, and it has to be realistic. And you need to have a multi-year plan. You need to say, okay, here's year one and year two and year three. And, you know, that's that's work. Not a lot of people don't like to do it. But we tell them that the successful farmers, one, they're resilient. They build into their plan the fact that things happen that are beyond their control. And they don't overspend. They, they do live within their means. And uh, so they crawl, walk, run when it comes to that. Uh, we've had great success with that. We have not had a student that went on to farming and failed due to not doing the plan. They, some of them ultimately farm for a while and then due to whatever reason they go back to their family in another state or they get hired by someone in agribusiness like they get hired by Prairie Land and then they, so they stay farming but they don't get any bigger because they stay at the size they can support by working full time. But we've never had anybody fail and come back and say you didn't properly tell me that I needed the expert. I, I don't want to get in any trouble with anybody, but we always tell them, say, you ought to go to the state fair. Mm-hmm. You ought to go to the local farm show. But don't buy it. <laughs> don't go there and get all excited unless that's in your plan. And so, I mean, we, we literally sitting right outside the classroom is that big old fancy John Deere and that little old Ford. And we say reality is probably the Ford and with a plan five, six years mm-hmm. from now for this tractor. If you go straight to that and you go write a big check and go into great debt and in the first few years that the weather gets you or whatever else and you don't meet your marks, those those input costs that you got that get away from you can be a problem. So we don't try to be negative about it. We do try to be very realistic. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so they, they know that going in, which is okay, we got we, we get it. It's farming's a great way of life, hard way to make a living and we need to have our act together and not let our emotions outweigh our sound business decisions. Yeah. And that's why we teach it right off the bat. I'm trying to scare anybody away, but it's on. You have to deal with this. You have to be an adult and have to balance the books and understand how much money you're bringing in and how much goes out. That's it's, that's just important. And But I can tell you from my experience in the service and everywhere else, not that many people understand that. Yeah. It seems, oh yeah, they do. No, they don't. So we, we, we hit that pretty hard. Mm-hmm. But it works. It works. And again, if done the right way, it's, it's easily achievable. But you just got to, just like any of us, uh, somebody with a bigger house up on the hill. You know, yeah. Chances are they probably prefer seeing or way more sunsets and sunrises than you have. Some of that can't be, that comes just with time. Mm-hmm. But but you can start farming quickly on a small scale and, and have have as good a product just maybe not as large quantity right and that's willingness to look at the numbers and be realistic about things like you said i i thought it was something that all farmers did and the more farmers i meet i realize very few of them do it or do it in a way to evaluate their profitability it's more of a how can i just keep chugging along well yes and my my observation of farming and ranching though also is that it's still 
no matter what level you're at, it's more out, more work than there's hours in your day. Yeah. Scrunching numbers for most people isn't any fun. So it's an easy can to kick down the road. Very easy. <laughs> but it, it comes back due. And so, again, it's we've had, we've had a lot of people ask us that. You know, we, can, we have to deal with that up front. But we're also very proud in our farm in that once you graduate, you know, you're our instructors, you're forever a part of our farm. So you can have graduated three years ago and call one of our instructors up and ask for assistance because we, we will do that forever. We don't we don't part ways with you and say good luck grasshopper and send you on your way. And so that that we think is one of the key components is that you still have a group of people that want you to succeed that you can call back to. Mm-hmm. Well, we've talked a lot about veterans um, and how they play a huge role in your in the Save Farms mission. But what else do you do at the Save Farm? Is there more? We've talked a little bit about maybe the experience of well, for folks that come out there. Tell me more about that. Okay, and I do want to mention too that uh, we're open for everybody now. So we're a veteran farm, but non-veterans are eligible to come out, and we have some funds available. We have corporate sponsorship and USDA got beginning farmers so you, you don't have to be a veteran to come to the farm. Uh, we're starting a bunch of sp- uh, short cl- classes one week long uh, like on regenerative ag or the economics part. Uh, we're going to teach classes in specialty crops for people to get started in. But we have a great relationship with USDA and NRCS uh, Conservation Service. So we're an experimental farm. We're a research farm. And so they come out and do soil monoliths and test things. Uh, we're working some programs now with, with uh, wildlife and Ducks Unlimited for uh, waterways and, and uh, pollinators. So uh, we, we really have a growing variety of what we do. Mm-hmm. So we, we focus on our five-month program, but we have people that come out for just for a day. Uh, and we have a soon-to-have-a-sustainable ag grant where we're going to just have work one day or two day workshops on sustainable ag. So that's where somebody listening in can say, well, you know, I'm just not sure. Mm-hmm. I don't know that I want to make a deep dive and go out there for five months. Well, we, we have farm tours that you can sign up for. We have members of our board from Farmers Union and, and from the State Department of Ag, not on the board, but then of course we have a lot of great support from Kansas State. So you can come out to us and on certain of our farm days or farm tour days or one or two day workshops or week-long workshops so we're trying to have a pretty big menu to where we 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 can be a place that you come and, and we get started because we we know that the farm tours has been the single best way we recruit people mm-hmm. which is you go to two or three farms and you go okay I think I know that if you've never been on the farm and somebody says you need to go take a five-month farm class like, oh, that's that's a big deep dive mm-hmm. so we are really working on a variety of other ways that you can come out and have that experience and if you already are farming and you don't need the full five months, but you've never been trained on regenerative ag, you've never had the farm planning training, we offer that. And so we're excited about, about that and that we can, you can have a one, three, five day or a five month experience out there. Well, I so admire the work that you guys are doing. I think, you know, we, ha- we hear about USDA or all these different programs that exist but there are very few programs or mission-oriented groups to bring this kind of education into a real-life scenario and help people apply it to their lives and kind of walk them through like you guys do over that five-month process or 
through the process of the farm tour or these shorter classes to say, okay, this is this is real life. This is what are you choosing to do? Um, what path are you wanting to look at in agriculture? And that that next further step past the government program um, is what I see is just making your guys's program so successful and helping you grow. Well, yeah, I just I thank you. We we want to be a place that a lot again as many people as possible come and have a positive experience in farming. So if they only come out for one day and they gain an appreciation and never choose to go into farming, that's okay. We, I was at a conference last week uh, with the Farmer Veterans Coalition and the Department of Ag, and they talked about how someone getting involved in some of our training and ultimately finding out that it's not for them is not a failure. Mm. And so uh, we don't want that to happen. But we'd much rather have somebody come out and after two or three months go, you know what, it turns out this is really not my thing. That's still uh, a life a life experience that doesn't involve going somewhere and signing on for four years and realizing it's, it's not uh, mm-hmm. necessarily what you want to do. We, for example, have had two students that come through that, again, thought they ever wanted to be cattlemen, happened to be men, and they ultimately said, you know, I love the land. I want to I want to manage range. I want to be a conservationist. Mm. Don't necessarily need to have animals, but I'd love. And so now they work on a fort, and they help. You know, they're good, they're good stewards of the land. They manage the the lease lands and everything else, and they love it because now they, they love the land. Well, some people love animals. So that's that's where we think is a is a success. And we we are hoping to ultimately partner with the FFA and 4-H, uh, so that some somebody, for example, here in Manhattan that wants to be a farmer doesn't have any land, doesn't know anybody on the on the farm, can say, well, the Safe Farm has a if you want to keep some hogs or sheep out there, you could do that. You could lease a small, uh, and, and then you be out there. You got to take care of your own animals, but there are instructors and others out there that that could be out there for you, so that we could be that place. We could be yeah. the farm that everyone's farm, but Whereas unless you have a family member, you may only have access to a farm. Right. We're, we're pretty excited about that. And then we'd like to see others jump in and say, well, you know, I can carve out a little bit of my land for a beginning farmer. Mm-hmm. So, exactly. Uh, you, you can get started with an acre yeah. or less, depending on what you do. You can't get started as a cattleman with an acre. <laughs> but you can get started in the, on the plant side. You can. You can get started with chickens mm-hmm. for that. Uh, so... We're excited. We're not part of that, but we're excited for urban farming, and um, and we we advocate for that. A lot of our veterans come from big cities, and they come out and say, "Okay, I'm, chances are for whatever my life situation is now, I'm going to have to go back to where my family is, but I still I don't want to be completely out of farming." Well, let's show you how you could you could do something on a very very small acreage. Yeah. So we we're not a one size fits all. We will fit everyone. And the. the respect for everyone at regardless of what their size is or what methods they're using is so important anymore absolutely and by the way we also take great pride we've had good support from k-state engineering and others we have the means for people with limited mobility to come through our program Mm -hmm. so we're excited about that too and that you you can be wheelchair bound or whatever else we will accommodate you and you can come through our program we're excited for that. Agribility has been a great source for us. So you just got to get there. But once you get there, we are, we are open to anyone that can get there. And that's a big deal because most farms, 
accessing them in a wheelchair. That's a far cry from easy to do. It is, and it take, it takes some work, but but we're inspired by farms all over the country that have people that have had something happen, and and uh, their innovation is unbelievable. Mm. And, and we're inspired by them. They're not necessarily veterans at all, and that when we explain what we're doing, they have been very willing to share their ideas, let us come make videos and everything else. So that's the part of the farm community that we are very thrilled with. Yeah, is that for the for the great most part their people have been open to us and will help us and uh, if there's something they're doing that we can learn from they've been more than willing to share that's uh there's not a lot of that going on in the country these days but the farm community uh it's competitive of course but for what we're doing uh, our reception from farmers and ranchers to help us train veterans has been uh, inspiring and we appreciate it very good well, I usually close out most of my interviews with the same question. Um, my question for you is not necessarily related to our conversation we've had to this point, but can you tell me about a favorite tradition that you either grew up with on the farm or that you still hold dear um, at the Save Farm, any kind of tradition in the ag lifestyle that you have? And I put him on the spot. I didn't, I didn't prepare you for that one. Well, favorite tradition on the farm, of course, it'd be different at the Save Farm than myself in that uh, on my, in my family, uh, my father uh, grew up farming with horses and mules. And so from the time we uh, got our own farm in the late 70s, and my father passed away three years ago, uh, but so for 53 years, we had a team of horses. Wow. And so our tradition uh, was that on uh, the big days when the family's there, we'd go hitch the horses and take take everybody for a ride. That's pretty neat. On the safe farm, we have a flag out there. Mm -hmm. And uh, so on those occasions when it needs to be replaced, that's a, that's a big deal mm -hmm. to all of us. You know, most of our instructors are not veterans, but they're more patriotic than just about anybody. So maintaining a good flag flying a flag and, and watching over it when, when when it's time to be replaced is a big deal to us. And so everybody out there is part of raising and lowering the flag and, and you know, take, showing its proper respects. And so mm -hmm. I would say that's probably the one, the one now. The, the, the other one would be is that if you're out there, when that garden's going, you need, you're, you're going to go do something. Yeah. You don't get to walk by the garden all year. So uh, was way most people do way more, but the other tradition would be that's a victory garden as a hi history of World War One and World War Two. So whether you're out here to do whatever, we're going to have you come over there and do put your hands in the dirt or do something because that garden's for everybody. It's not it's not just Susie or Fred's task. It's everybody's garden. That may be mostly what they do, but you don't get a pass on. You need to get out there and work in that garden. So yeah, very cool traditions. Yeah. Okay, well, I want to make sure that if people are interested in learning more about the Save Farm, we let them know where they can further connect with you and get more information. Where can they do that? Okay, we're on Facebook, Save Farm. That's probably the best way to reach us. And then the, the savefarm.org. Uh, and if you go to that site, there's a number you can call. And it's as an operator 24 hours a day. And there, there's email addresses you can click on. So uh, uh, Facebook or just go online to the Save Farm, not State Farm, that's an insurance <laughs> the savefarm.org and you'll come right to us and we'll get back at you and uh, 
we give we give tours we, we anytime we're open to anybody that wants to come out and take a tour and drive around and I won't let you get away with not plugging the fact that you guys are a not-for-profit so the fact that people can donate to they support can, your mission can, and we hope they will yeah we are a not-for-profit we have been for six years uh, we're, uh, we're rated platinum uh, we manage ourselves well we we do everything uh, correct we have a great board and we have great support for this community so uh, absolutely just go on check us out and come out and, and enroll or make a donation or just uh, advocate for us well, thank you so much for sharing the story with us today, Todd. I My appreciate pleasure. it. You bet. Thank you. Do you know someone building their ag legacy or with stories of yesteryear on the farm that need to be shared? Please let us know or help them apply to be a guest on the show at farmingonpurpose.com guest. If you've enjoyed spending time with us today, please take a moment to review the show on Apple Podcasts or give us a share on social media. You can follow the host of Farming on Purpose, Lexi, at, at Farming on Purpose on all social media. And let us know what topics you want to hear more about.